Retrospective Podcast, Episode 14. Hello, and welcome to the Retrospective Podcast. My name is Dean Abbott, and I'm the author of the essays that can be found in the column archive at my website, DeanAbbott, D-E-A-N-A-B-B-O-T-T dot com, and host of this companion podcast. Each week I write a new essay and record an audio version here for this podcast. Older podcasts can be found at worldwideweb.retrospectivepodcast.podbean.com or on the iTunes store. If you like the show, I would encourage you to drop by the iTunes page and write a review. Your reviews help the show find new listeners, so please, if you've been listening for a while, won't you help out by jotting down your thoughts on iTunes? I'd appreciate it. Of course, I'd love to hear from you directly. You can email me at retrospectivepodcast at gmail.com. You should also know I host a second podcast. That one is focused on retro and Americana topics and can be found at www.yourneighborhoodalmanac.com. Now, here's this week's essay. Every parent knows there are moments when children are an undiluted joy, when their little faces are the very image of peace and angelic beneficence. Every parent also knows most of these moments happen when they are asleep. These moments have been rare for us lately. About a year and a half ago, our oldest daughter decided she would no longer take naps if there were something more interesting to do. She can always find something more interesting to do like lying in bed in the near-pitched black with her legs pointed toward the ceiling, just to check if she still has feet. An hour-long conversation with an inanimate object is, in her mind, riveting compared to a nap. We, the bedraggled and bleary-eyed souls she calls her parents, feel otherwise. On any given day, sleep is something we are profoundly interested in. Any kind of rest, however, is a commodity hard to come by while living with a small human being whose unceasing movement generates enough energy to power a semi-truck. For months, we've been wondering what it will take to get her to slow down and sleep. Last week, we had that question answered. Turns out, all it takes is an anesthesiologist and thousands of dollars of advanced medical equipment. We drove her to the hospital early one morning for the surgery her pediatrician had recommended months before. Sometimes people are born with a small hole in their abdominal muscle where the umbilical cord once connected. Usually these close on their own. In a small percentage of cases, they do not. We were not surprised to learn our daughter, the fruit of our love and care, was in this elite group. To recognize her achievement, we gave her not a trophy, but an operation. At the hospital, they talked to us about our options. They had a medication similar to Valium, the nurse said. It wouldn't put her to sleep, but it would calm her down and make her not care about what's going on. After that medicine had taken effect, they planned to move her to another room to administer full anesthesia. Of course, the nurse said, we could skip the initial dose. She asked what I wanted to do. 
Nobody wants to over-medicate his child. Yet, I knew when they wheeled her away, there was going to be a lot of screaming, a great conflagration of clutching and crying and shouting, No! 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 To avoid this kind of behavior, I suggested they give the medicine to me. They declined and, with my permission, gave it to my daughter. One parent could be by her side, the doctor said, when they put her fully under. We decided I would do it. You'll need a bunny suit, one nurse said. Really? I said. That's too bad. Normally I carry one with me, but I forgot it this morning. She said she'd bring me one. To everyone's disappointment, the suit looked nothing like a rabbit. I set about wriggling into the blue one-piece jumpsuit that went on over my street clothes. It was tight. I felt like some kind of reverse Houdini trying to get into the thing. By the time I finished, our little girl was reclining quietly, staring into space. I stood sweating in my new getup. A different nurse came in and surveyed me. Oh, she said, you don't need to wear that. We're not going into the operating room. I decided to leave it on. How often do I get to wear one of these, I thought. Also, I needed to rest a while, save up some energy. This was not the kind of garment you simply take off. It was the kind of garment you escape. Together, the nurse and I wheeled my daughter down the hall. Sitting on the gurney, she was quietly loopy. Halfway through our journey, she raised a hand and stared at it like she'd never seen it before. Once in the induction room, the place where they put people to sleep, it didn't take long. Our little girl lay there. A technician attached the mask to a hose. It hissed. He held the contraption suspended over her nose and mouth. I stroked my baby's arm, and for what seemed like the first time in months, she was still and silent. Her blue eyes darted around the room, returning to me for assurance every couple of seconds. After only a minute, the doctor said, Okay, she's asleep. You can give her a kiss if you want. The technician pulled back the mask. I leaned over and kissed my annoying little darling on the cheek. Before leaving, I turned back. She looked small against the sterile white gurney sheet. She was surrounded by strangers. She was prepared to disappear. In the hallway, I took a moment to, you know, lose it completely. Slumped against the wall, I let go of a few big sobs. I wasn't worried about being seen, not worried about being the object of strangers' prying attention. I mean, it's hard to embarrass any further a man who's already out in public wearing a bunny suit. This has been the Retrospective Podcast. Thank you for listening.